Hello and welcome to the 108 podcast. I'm Amanda and I'm Raquel and we are the type one together girls. We are stripping down life with type one diabetes from two people who live different versions of it every single day. Please remember type one together does not give medical advice, especially in this episode. We're only (laughs) sharing from personal experience. And I say that because we're going to talk a lot today about ketones and our personal stories with ketones and also try to answer some of your questions, but uh, we're definitely not medical experts on this one. So no, yeah, definitely not medical experts. We are going to kind of just dive into the topic because we asked uh, the community to submit questions and we got a lot. So we want to try and cover all of them. Um, But yeah, I think that I will say before I get into our story about Hattie developing ketones last week, that no, we're not medical professionals and none of this is medical advice, but I do have like general knowledge regarding medicine and how the body works and things like that. So I am going to have kind of a scientific nurse-brained approach as I explain some of these things. Yes. So I'm thankful that you have that. (laughs) (laughs) It does come in handy. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. So last week was really one of your first bigger experiences with ketones. So Mm -hmm. please tell us all the things. Okay. So uh, yes, we have been diagnosed for almost two years now and obviously she was in DKA. So clearly had ketones when she was diagnosed. Um, But since then, I've only ever used like the urine strips and um, she's had like, you know, small to trace or trace to small before, Um, but she's never acted super ill or anything like that. We recently got a blood ketone meter, blood meter, uh, from KetoSense, and we can link that in the show notes for you guys. Um, and we got it actually at the ADA walk, and I was talking to the guy who uh, was the rep for KetoSense, and I showed him a different blood meter that I had purchased from Amazon, and he was like, no, 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 that is not the right one. And I was like, oh, well, what's the difference? And he said, those meters like don't have to be approved or something like they're like to get past you know for sale it doesn't go through as rigorous um like check marks basically and he's like a lot of people who use the keto diet to lose weight use that blood meter so our blood meter is specific for diabetic management so we will definitely link the one that he was talking about and the one that we use because I think that's really important to have the most accurate, obviously, information. Yeah. A lot of the other ones in the little like booklets will say like not approved for diabetes, which is so wild, but people are using them anyways. So it's Uh good to know. So we um, have been battling a cold because, you know, it's the fall and both of our girls go to preschool. So we're going to be sick until April. And we had just like a typical kid cold, coughing and sneezing. My husband got sick with it. I got sick with it, but it's not like the end of the world. And we sent our girls to school last week and I dropped Hattie off on Wednesday morning and they took her because her preschool understands that all kids are sick. It really is just like if you have a fever or you're like bedridden, you can't come in. And uh, so she just had sniffles that day. 
And then when I picked her up just four hours later, she was half asleep cuddling her teacher sitting on her teacher's lap. And she looked up at me and she kind of had like tears in her eyes. And she was like, mama, I don't feel good. And her teacher was like, you know, she's got a low grade fever. It just developed in the last hour. Her like behavior has changed just in the last hour. And, um, you know, she's just complaining that she, yeah, feels kind of crappy. And I'm like, okay, you know, her cold is probably getting worse because my husband's had just gotten worse the day before. So I knew that that was the trajectory. And so I brought her home and she was really um, kind of lethargic, just very anti-anything. Um, and so I put her in my bed and I turned the TV on. I was like, let's just have a sick day. We'll watch TV all day. And I did give her fluids because I wasn't concerned about ketones at this point in time. Her blood sugars all day long, even through um, preschool were in range, really, really beautiful. And, um, she hadn't eaten all of her lunch cause she just was not feeling great. So I was anticipating a potential low because they did dose her for the full amount. So I gave her like some juice over ice and I was like, I'm sure your throat is sore and you don't feel good and you're starting to cough. Just sip on this little by little. And she sipped on it enough to maintain her sugar. She didn't actually go low. And then she ended up falling asleep and she slept for two and a half hours. This was my first indicator that she really might be feeling extra terrible and could be developing ketones regardless of the fact that her blood sugars stayed between 70 and 110 through the entire nap. Um, Because my four-year-old dropped her naps two months after her diagnosis when she was just 28 months old and she only naps in the car. And so for her to fall asleep, I knew she was feeling terrible. And Raquel, I have seen you in person (laughs) with ketones. So I knew like, okay, if you have ketones and they're actually getting big, you feel like shit. And she ends up waking up and screaming at the top of her lungs, mom, and she is sobbing and hysterical. And it really was reminiscent of the behavior that we witnessed the week leading up to us taking her into the hospital. And I just thought like, I need to check her ketones. I'm not even going to wait for her to pee. I'm just going to take our blood ketone meter out. And it's, for those of you who do not know, it is the exact same thing as doing a finger poke to check for blood sugar. So um, did that and ketones read 1.3. And I knew that that was high, but I wasn't sure exactly. So I went through the booklet and found the parameters. And basically the booklet said like, anything above 1.6, you need to call the hospital or go to the emergency department. And little by little through calling her endo office and doing more of my own research, I learned that if you are above like 1.6 and or around, let's say you're around 1.6, you give more insulin, you give fluids, you give some carbs to like start feeding your cells again. And then you recheck two hours later and you have not come down. You're still like 
around the 1.6 mark, you have to go into the hospital for fluids. Like it's that's too long of letting that level of ketones sit in your blood. So I was really working with getting her to like eat something and drink stuff because I knew that she needed fluids. I knew she needed carbs and I knew she needed insulin. And she was feeling terrible and she's a toddler and she was just like, no, nothing. I don't want anything. And I finally found like a popsicle from like eight months ago in the back of our freezer. And it was this big watermelon popsicle. And I was like, will you have popsicle? And she was like, yes. And so I set up just like a towel bed on the living room floor and put like a plate with the popsicle there. And I dosed her for half of the popsicle up front just because I wasn't sure how much she was going to have and I didn't want to tank her. And she ended up eating the whole thing. So then I gave her the remaining half of the dosage um, towards the end of the popsicle. And I was encouraging her to drink water or juice or Pedialyte. And she was saying, no, I really don't want to. And then I found an Otter Pop because I wanted more fluids than just that Popsicle. I know that a Popsicle feels like a solid, you guys, but really it's a fluid. So like it acts in their body as a fluid. So Popsicles are like, you know, pretty good for those kids that are refusing fluids. Um, So I offered her an Otter Pop and she said yes to that, which I was really happy about because that's a lot of carbs in a small amount. Mm -hmm. And I dosed her the full amount for that. And then I gave her ice water with um, like, I don't know, maybe half the cup filled with Pedialyte that also had some carbs, but I didn't dose for that amount. And yeah, I just kind of set a timer and told her you need to please be drinking this water, even if it's one tiny sip at a time, just every once in a while. And when this timer goes off, I really want that cup of water all gone. And I did explain to her, even though she's four years old, that you have ketones. It's something that develops when you have type 1 diabetes and you're sick. It's making you feel terrible. And the only way to get rid of them is to drink fluids and pee them out. And if you don't do that, I do have to take you to the hospital at some point because they won't go away. And the only way they will go away is if we go to the hospital and you get an IV in your arm. And she was like, heck no. We are not going to the hospital. And I hate, 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 hate having to use scare tactics, but it's not a scare tactic. Like it is. It's the truth. But it's the truth. And she needs to know, in my opinion. So, um, and to me, like instilling a little bit of fear regarding going to the hospital and getting her to drink water and avoiding the hospital altogether is a better option than the trauma of a hospital stay. Yeah. You know, and if those are your only two options, I'm going to choose the lesser of two evils here. So, um, yeah, then two hours passed. I set timers for myself just as a reminder. And we did another ketone blood meter check and she was down to 0.3. So she had basically flushed them all out. 0.3 was considered trace. Um, And she was already feeling so much better, I could tell. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, there's a lot more to that. And we can get into it later because I want to hear your story. But I did call her endo clinic. They were not helpful. 
Um, I felt very alone, but I was also very like, I can do this. I know what she needs and I'm going to make it happen. Um, yeah. Oh so. man. Yeah. Hearing about your experience calling in was just wild. So it was a mess. Uh, <laughs> that's where taking things away from this conversation, I think is important because it is better to just be safe. And the biggest thing that I want everyone to take away from what Amanda said, as well as what I'm about to share, is that you can have ketones at a normal blood sugar, at a you know blood sugar in the 80s, 90s, whatever. And the fact that so many people don't realize that, like there are probably a lot of times where your child might have a little bit of ketones and they're sitting at 100. So you just don't even think about the fact that that's what it could be. I know there were a lot of times like that, I'm sure, when I was younger. Um, because I remember being told just if you're over 200 for a couple hours, that's when you need to check. And mm-hmm. I don't even know. I'll have to ask my mom if we actually checked every time for that. But of course, when I was higher for longer, we definitely did check. And I remember having ketones lots of times when I was growing up. Um, but usually I was able to get them down pretty quickly. And my family definitely did tell me, hey, you're going to have to go to the hospital. If we don't get this down, you need to drink water. And I did. So I support the scare tactics in that. Did that traumatize you at all? No, I did not want to go to the hospital. And I, yeah, I think it was, I, I've never gone to the hospital for ketones, to be honest, not even when I was diagnosed because I didn't have them at the time. Um, and there are probably many times that I should have gone, but I just really don't want to go. And so I will do anything and everything to make that not happen. And so for me, it worked, but you just got to know your kid, I guess. Yeah. So I have two really scary instances with ketones where I could have or should have gone to the hospital. And one of them was in college and I was really sick. I think I had, I can't remember if this was when I had the flu or something. I don't know, but I was throwing up a lot Mm. and I couldn't keep anything down. Um, And I was in the 80s and the 90s the entire time, but I could tell that I had ketones. And I'll get into the feeling of ketones in a second. But I had ketones and I ended up also being low at one point. Like I was in the 50s, I remember, after throwing up and it was so scary because I couldn't keep anything down. So I also almost used glucagon. It was just a mess Mm -hmm. all around. Um, At one point, I did go into my college UT Austin's uh, like health clinic and they were kind of like, okay, if you don't get these down soon, we're going to have to send you somewhere else and you're going to have to get fluids. Um, and I just remember doing everything I could, you know, drinking, I think, Gatorade and water and all the things and trying to get insulin in my body because that's, you know, going to be really helpful. Um, but I never had the ketone meter until the same day that you got yours, Amanda, <laughs> or the new, the new one, the KetoSense one, because we were at that yeah. ADA walk together. And so I've always just used the strip. So that's I mean even though it's not perfect like it has the colors on there and like if you have high ketones you can very easily tell that and so um yeah I don't know if I have much to say about that experience other than it was just eye-opening that I could have such high ketones while being in range yeah and I think maybe I did even realize I had them because I went into the clinic and they did a urine test and they saw the ketones and I was so confused because my number was great in my eyes so um, well, so what ended up happening? Like, did you you yeah. just finally push past the point where you could keep stuff down? I think so. I went. I remember just laying in bed for a long time after oh, going gosh. into the doctor and just trying to drink water and eat. And eventually, I was just fine. I think I also got 
Zofran, which is the most helpful Mm. thing ever. It was actually a family that I was babysitting for at the time. They had Zofran. I think they shared it with me (laughs) and it was life changing because I was able to not throw up and then I was fine. Um, But yeah, I was just doing everything I could to not have to go in. So it kind of solved itself, but I probably put my mom through a lot that day. I remember her calling me a lot and maybe should have gone in in hindsight. But okay, second time that was scary in a very different way. And I might have shared about this briefly already, but basically we were at Friends for Life in Florida last summer and it was Meg, Amanda and I sharing a room together. And I had changed my site earlier on in the day and I had opened a new bottle of insulin and we went about the day. We were in conferences and, you know, all the things. And my blood sugar just kept going up and up and up, but it was very slowly going up. Like Mm -hmm. the highest I ever got, I think was 320. It didn't even go like super, super, super high, but it took hours to get to that point. And I started to feel this like ketone feeling a couple hours after changing my site the first time. And so I was like, Meg, let's go back to the room. Like I want to change my site one more time. Like something's not right here. Went back to the room, changed my site again. We went on again and then we were like having dinner. There was like the big banquet that night, right? And so we were going in, everyone got a plate of food and I just could not eat. I felt so bad and I could tell that I had ketones and I just, I know the ketone feeling again. I'll talk about that in a second, but um, I ended up going back to the room and I was out like, and it takes a lot for me to not want to do something like everyone is going out to get drinks and dinner that night. And I was like, so sad to be missing it. I felt so bad. I just remember laying down in the room being like, I feel like I'm going to die. Like I have not felt this bad with diabetes maybe ever. And you came in at one point and I was just like laying there. (laughs) It was so scary. And eventually I was like texting people being like, can I please use one of your syringes or a pen to give myself a shot because clearly my site's not working. And I didn't bring any of that with me because, again, I was at a diabetes conference. I was like, someone will have stuff. It'll be fine. (laughs) Um, And there were so many doctors at this conference, too. So I was like, even if something really bad happens, like, I'm sure someone here can help me. But eventually I was about to give myself a shot and then it clicked that I had opened a new bottle of insulin. And I was like, you know what? This has never happened before, but I've heard that it happens. This insulin bottle must be bad. I don't think it was because it got overheated or anything because my other insulin was fine. It was just Mm -hmm. a bad bottle of insulin. And so I went and opened a different bottle, changed my site again. Um, Meanwhile, Meg had come into the room and told me, she was like, Raquel, you need to eat something. And I felt like I was going to throw up if I ate anything. But she was like, even if it's literally one bite of bread, because I had my plate that I had brought back to the room from the banquet hall, just one bite, give yourself some insulin, you're going to feel better. So I forced myself to have that. And within like 15 minutes, I felt so much better. It was crazy. So having that new insulin, having some food because I was having starvation ketones, right? We're going to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah we'll, yeah. we'll talk about it. And your body needs to know that it's not starving and you need to get carbs in your system. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I didn't even know that until she told me that, which is kind of crazy. So um, yeah, I started feeling better and kind of like you were describing with Hattie, it was a pretty quick turnaround to feeling better. Like once I got that stuff in, it was like, okay, I'm good within 30, 45 minutes. I went out with everyone that night and it was fine. But oh my gosh, I have never been more scared about diabetes. And it was such a reminder that things can take such a fast turn because I usually am just kind of coasting at this point. I'm like, I got this. It's whatever. But no, it was so scary. So yeah, I think 
one thing that I want to like point out because I can hear so many parents and whoever might be listening wanting to say like, how do you know is a bad bottle of insulin? Like, how do you know? How do you know? And for me, like, I think that I think that basically when you see your numbers or your child's numbers increasing and no amount of insulin, whether it be a small bolus or a large bolus, is actually slowing it down because you should see at some point after a bolus a slowdown. But if you don't, if it's an increase by two, three, five, every five minutes and it's a straight line up, that is when it's very likely a sight issue or an insulin issue. Mm-hmm. And I have like figured that out too through trial and error. And it's interesting, like one month after Hattie was diagnosed, I remember going to get my hair done for the first time. And it was like my first time away from the house for more than two hours. And I just so happened to run into an old neighbor of my parents. And I had no idea she was a type 1 diabetic. And I was talking to my hairdresser who knows me very well. I've been going to her for years. And she was asking how Hattie was doing. And I was explaining what was going on. And this woman who was sitting in the chair right next to me was like, I'm a type 1 diabetic. And then she asked me what was going on. I kind of like shared. And she was like, oh my gosh, honey, first of all, it is a marathon for the rest of your life. So one thing, take a deep breath and slow down and give yourself grace. And you're one month in. I thought you were one year in with the way you're talking. So like, calm down. I was like, thank you. And then she said, one thing I want to share with you that happened to me recently that I think is important for everyone to know is she said that with her insurance, she gets an entire box of Humalog vials in one shipment at a time. And she said that her sugars were going up, 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 and they were reaching 400. And she's been a diabetic since she was nine. She's 50 now. So her time and range is like 98%. She just knows how to take care of herself, obviously. And um, she was like, nothing I was doing was working. And so then I thought to myself, I wonder if this is bad insulin. And she checked the serial number on that one vial and she like tossed that vial. She opened a new one and gave herself a manual injection. Nothing slowed it down. Opened another one. And then she tried like four or five vials. Nothing was slowing her blood sugar down. So mm. she called her insurance and was like, I got an entire bad batch of insulin. Yeah. And that story, I'm so grateful to her for sharing that with me one month in because I've never forgotten it. You know, and it's pretty rare. In the back of my head. It's super rare. She said it in know. all of her years, her 40 years of being a type 1 diabetic, that was the one and only time it's ever happened to her. Yeah. But yeah. That's crazy. I cannot imagine. I think they should replace it in that scenario. I would hope they, that did. they would. Okay, yeah. Good. Yeah. They did. Yeah. For sure. So, in terms of feeling with ketones, I think this is also important for you all to know to be able to look out for it. It's really, really, really hard to describe the feeling of ketones. And I don't really have the perfect way to describe it because it just feels like your body is depleted of everything it needs. It feels like you're out of it, like you're exhausted and nauseous and like a really bad hangover, some people say. Kind of, yeah. Like you start to get, I mean, I I would say shortness of breath is a thing. 
maybe like every basic body function feels like it takes effort, but you don't actually have the brain energy to produce the effort that is required for a basic body function to happen. Yes, definitely. (laughs) And I've gotten to the point where I can feel ketones coming on so easily. Like it's a very, very specific feeling for me that does not happen with anything else in life. So something that helped me with this, I think growing up was testing my ketones often enough to where I could see, okay, I feel this way the color is pink on the strip or whatever it was. And you could do the same with a meter um, to kind of get your child to recognize what they're feeling when they're matching that. And then, of course, like you said, Amanda, you just noticed how different Hattie was acting. Yeah. But something else to know is that there are a lot of times where I feel them slightly coming on and they go away really fast and it never becomes a big thing. And this would happen a lot when I was dancing growing up, uh, especially in college when I was dancing all day long, like full day of classes and then rehearsals after. And so I was disconnecting my pump quite a bit. And I kind of had this method where I would like disconnect it, dance because I hated having it on. And like whenever I started to go up, I would go to the side, plug it back in, give some insulin, go back. Like it was this back and forth thing. Um, But there was some times where I feel like the exercise itself like almost gives you Worse ketones? I, I don't know how to explain. I'm not even going to try, but I know a lot of runners, <laughs> like my best friend Ashley, she runs a lot and she'll also get this feeling after running sometimes, even if she doesn't disconnect. Um, but it's like your body just needs more insulin. And so just be aware, like even if they're only suspended for 30 minutes or an hour, like and they start to act a little funky, it's possible that some ketones are starting to appear, but maybe it's not like enough to be um, urgent ketones or even like show up dark on the strip. You just don't feel good. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think that we should start answering some of the questions, but I kind of want to be methodical about it. Mm -hmm. And I want to start off by explaining, I think, what ketones even are and like how they develop, right? So, I think the easiest way for anyone to understand what a ketone is, is to think of ketone as an acid. And we all understand that acids sting and hurt and burn, right? So ketones are acids that are a byproduct of cellular death. So when your child was diagnosed, if they were in DKA, what was happening was their cells were not getting fed. When something doesn't get fed, it dies. When cells die, they pop and Mm -hmm. all of their contents spill out and the bloodstream picks up all the contents. And those contents include acids or ketones. Also, the body's natural response to not having carbohydrates as the energy source for fuel is to burn off fat. This is where the whole keto diet comes into play. People who go keto in an effort to lose weight starve their body of carbohydrates and the body has to figure out a way to feed their cells. And the only way the cells are fed is through glucose. So The body then breaks down fat molecules in order to create a glucose structure. 
the byproduct of that broken down fat results in one glucose molecule or however many, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to get that scientific because I don't actually know. (laughs) And then the other byproduct is ketones. So people who do keto diet are in a state of ketosis, but their cells are able to be fed because they're not type one diabetics. Their body pumps out insulin and still feeds their cells. Mm -hmm. Right. But for type one diabetics, This is where you can still develop ketones even when your sugars are perfectly in range. So the way I explain this on our stories, I'm going to explain it again. If you're a type 1 diabetic and you're not eating very much, just in general, it's easier to keep your blood sugars in range because the hardest part of keeping a blood sugar in range is timing the insulin and counting the carbs, right? And so if your child is not eating very many carbs or very few carbs, then you are likely to see either low sugars, low blood sugars, or like in range sugars. But what's happening is their body when sick is attempting to fight off this virus, which requires so much more energy than usual. The only source of energy the body really needs when it comes down to it, the very last piece of the puzzle is glucose. So if there's not enough carbs and therefore you're not giving more insulin, because why would you need to? The blood sugar is in range. Then the body is forced to figure out how to find another source of glucose, which means it's going to be breaking down fat stores. This is also why type 1 diabetics lose weight when they are Mm -hmm. approaching DKA. So Hattie, in her case, was not eating very much throughout the day. She was getting some insulin, but not a lot, definitely not enough. And she was breaking down like the fat more than likely, right? To try, her body was trying to like fuel her cells in order to like help fight off the infection but there wasn't enough insulin to then take the glucose byproduct of the broken down fat cells and put them into her body's cells. Therefore, ketones developed and they develop quickly. Mm -hmm. So I think I explained that in its entirety. Yes, I guess. I guess the other way is high, high blood sugar. Yes, the more obvious way. Yes, the more obvious way. So people want to like talk about that if your child's blood sugar is high for too long, then it's – so there's there's a way that you can be high for a while and not develop ketones, and that's because there's technically enough insulin in your body to still feed your cells, but there's still a surplus of carbs mm-hmm. going through the blood system, Right. That's why like a lot of us when we're on MDI, I don't know if anyone else has heard this, but I used to freak out and call and be like, she was 210 all night long for like eight hours. Like she's going to go into DKA and they're like, no, she's not. She's on long acting. And I was like, what does that even mean? Why does that matter? And it's because the long acting was the safety net because the long acting was still getting enough fuel into her cells so that they weren't breaking down. And then the thing with that is like 
if you if you have the long acting or your basal and it is enough to be fueling your cells so your cells are not breaking down not producing ketones the next most concerning thing with high blood sugar is if your blood sugar is still high and it's for too long for too many years that's when the complications begin that's when the hardening of the blood vessels begins that's when diabetic retinopathy and losing toes and whatever like all the scare tactics come in yeah um but that's that's years down the line of developing those issues so Mm-hmm. that's my nurse brain scientific explanation with an attempt at making it understandable for the average person. Yes, that was great. Thank you. I, I mean, a lot of it still went over my head because it all is confusing to me, but you explain everything in such a digestible way. So hopefully. <laughs> yes, you do. You do. Okay. So some of these questions that we got, we touched on, but let's just quickly go through them. Yeah. Uh, rapid fire version. So okay. best place to get a ketone meter and strips. Like we said, we're going to link the keto sense meter. But it was on channel. Amazon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll link it. Easy to find. Okay. Um, Next question. How often, how often to do corrections on a sick day? Um, my take is I give my daughter corrections until I see her blood sugar slowing or starting to come down. Mm-hmm. What do yeah, you do? I, uh, I I try really hard to stay in range on sick days because you need to be in range in order for your body to heal more quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I'm all about giving more insulin when possible. I know that's tricky if a low comes and they don't want to eat. Um, I actually have this like core memory when I was younger of being sick, laying in my mom's bed. And I don't think I was eating anything. And they like got me this cookies and cream milkshake, which was like my favorite thing. And I never would like have that randomly in the morning or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they brought it to me just so I would eat, I think, so that they could give insulin and I wouldn't have ketones looking back on it. I love it. That's so cute. You just got to eat something. Yeah. All right. Next question. Do you adjust basal rates for sick days? Um, since we're on the auto mode and we did not have a true sick day while on MDIs, which that would mean, uh, an adjustment of your long acting dosage. Um, no, <laughs> because we don't technically have basal rates. Um, I do give extra corrections on my own. So I go in and give, you know, an extra 0.35, 0.6, whatever. We're we're at this point now two years in where I can tell based on the trajectory of her sugars and the context clues of the day, whether or not she's had food recently, her behavior, the, like I said, like the increase in blood sugar, how, how high it's rising, how quickly it's rising. I'll just give, I'll give them on my own based on gut feel. That's not medical advice. Yes. Um, I, on the other hand, do have a sick day profile. So Tandem allows you to have different profile settings you can activate. And so um, I have like a normal one and then I have a high one and a low one for days that I'm running higher and days that I'm running lower. Um, And sometimes it does work better for me just to go ahead and activate the high one for sick days. But other times I also feel like giving corrections like that stronger burst of insulin at once can be more helpful than the steady basal rates just depends. Yes. Yeah. I mean, with the Omnipod 5, you can still create a ton of different basal profiles. So if you're interested in doing that, you can talk to your child's doctor and come up with a sick day plan. But my personal take and our lived experience is that Howdy's 
needs vary so drastically, literally from day to day, that asking our endo today for help creating a sick day basal profile is not going to help or be useful or necessarily work in a month from now if I try to use it. Yeah. So uh, the Omnipod 5's auto mode is really amazing at keeping your sugar in range once you put in the effort with your own um, boluses to like correct it. Because it's learning you more than the tandem is. That's where it's different, I think. Um, Yeah. But yeah, that's all really good stuff. I definitely made my sick day profile on my own. So again, just my personal experience, but uh, you can do what you want with that. (laughs) All right. The next one is when do you go to the hospital? Um, We sort of touched on this. Do you want to give your take on that, Raquel? Um, yeah, I mean, I think when you had ketones for way too long and like high ketones that don't show signs of coming down, like it was always like, if we saw it coming down, then as long as it continues in that direction, we don't need to go in. But if it did not come down, we were going to go. Yeah. I think a real life experience for you guys is when we checked my daughter's ketones and she was 1.3, I set a timer for two hours. If she was 1.3 or higher, I would have put her in the car right then and there and driven her to the hospital and if they're already throwing up that's a huge sign yes gotta go yes thank you for saying that yes if they are throwing up that is a huge sign that they are in dka Mm -hmm. and need hospital or even if they're not in dka but they're sick with something else and that's part of why they have ketones like Mm -hmm. it's just going to be harder to get them down either way yeah if they're throwing up yep and the next question is, how is it managing stomach bug and like puking and stuff? <laughs> yeah. Um, we haven't dealt with this. She has thrown up like three times since being diagnosed, but she has not ever had a true stomach bug that has lasted for more than a day. Like we have not dealt with the constant vomiting for 24, 48 hours. Um, I honestly, if she threw up more than two or three times in a day and anytime I put anything in her mouth, I I personally wouldn't mess with it and I would just take her in because I would want her to have Zofran and have fluids because the yes. ketones are going to make the the vomiting worse, you mm-hmm. know, and it's just going to be like a compounded negative experience. Absolutely. I was going to say Zofran too. It's so helpful because especially if you're you don't even have ketones, but you're going low or something. Like it's just so scary if you can't keep anything down. Um, again, the family that I worked with for a while, their daughter had Down syndrome and type one, and she would refuse food quite a bit. And so they had Zofran on hand all the time, and they also would microdose um, glucagon. So that's not always possible with like something like Gvoke, um, which is the one I have now. But the older glucagon that was like a syringe, I think there's still one that you can get like that. I'm forgetting the name, but um, you're able to and a lot of doctors don't like this, but I know people do it, like take a very small amount of glucagon and give it if your child needs to come up and they're not going to eat anything. So, yeah, I mean, the, the same rule applies where like if your child is unconscious or like conscious, but like non-responsive and they're super low and nothing's working, glucagon for sure, call 911. And the other thing that I have done before is take honey or that glucose gel, but that glucose gel is disgusting and rubbed it on the inside of their cheeks because the cheeks are super absorbent. Um, just as like a, you know, 
last little resort. That's a trick yeah. that we used night one because she was still using pacifier and we put honey on her pacifier to make it come up. Um, okay. Are you reading the next one or am yeah. I? Ketones Me. simply fixed by insulin or are other things needed? Okay. So I think we kind of covered this one. Yeah. Ketones are fixed by fluids and insulin. Mm-hmm. Carb fluids and insulin. Yeah. Um, Can I tell you something funny? <laughs> I used to have this like – so like I was told when I was little like whenever my blood sugar was high, drink water, drink water, drink water. Well, no one ever explained to me when I was really little that it was because I needed to pee out the sugar. Oh. And so I thought I was supposed to drink water and try not to pee. So there were oh. like times where I would drink water <laughs> and just like wait as long as I could to pee because I was like I have to have this water in me and I'm just oh, going to pee it out no. like me as like a five-year-old or whatever. <laughs> So make sure you explain to your kids they need to like pee. (laughs) That is so cute and sad (laughs) and a really valuable tidbit. That's my my favorite tip so far of this whole episode. Tell your young children that they have to also pee them out and not just (laughs) water inside them. That's yeah, that's such a kid way of thinking. Oh, that's adorable. (laughs) Okay. When to check for ketones, can I go based off of symptoms? So the rule of thumb, right, that you're usually told by the doctors is after a couple hours of being high, check. I mean, never hurts to do that. Definitely do that. Um, and then can you go based off of symptoms? You can always just test to be safe based on, off of symptoms, I think. Yeah. One thing that's smart, I think, is um, we keep our ketone urine test strips in the bathrooms. Mm-hmm. We've got like four bottles, you know, that have just been collected over the years and um, if your child is potty trained, try to remember to follow them into the bathroom or ask them not to flush and check for ketones by dipping it in. Mm-hmm. Um, especially on sick days, it's like you might as well. You don't need to rack yourself with worry. Um, but if you are constantly checking with your intestines, strips, then, you know, there's peace of mind there. That's a that's a few checks in one one sick day, um, and then if you notice any, you can use the blood ketone meter if you have one to be um, more specific. extra accurate. Yeah, exactly. Okay, next question: Can you tell when you have ketones and what does it feel like? Oh, we already went through that. <laughs> yeah, and like going back on this one and the question before about can you tell based off symptoms, like. That's how I feel. And I know a lot of people feel it and other people don't really feel it. So, I mean, you feel it at some point, but they feel it at a different moment. So there's times now where like, I don't know, I don't actually check my ketones, but I can feel that they're coming on, but then I'll do the things and then I'm fine and I just don't even check it. But yeah. it takes a while to get to that point. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Treating lows when they don't want to eat or drink. So we kind of touched on this, but I'm going to give some more like parent to a toddler specific tips. One thing that I will be doing from now on since we had our experience is um, I'm going to make ice cubes with juice or Pedialyte or something and um, maybe even get some like fun shaped ice cubes. You know how you can get those teeny tiny little balls or something and maybe make it like with super highly concentrated apple juice or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then next time she's sick, be like, can you suck on three? of these every 20 minutes or whatever. Um, 
So there's that jello, not the sugar-free jello. <laughs> jello is a great source um, of sugar and it's technically a liquid, even though it feels like it's a solid. Um and then, oh, someone DM'd. She was brilliant. I felt guilty. She, The way she had phrased her DM, I read it as if she was like telling me like, oh, that doesn't work for us. We, sh- You should do it this way. And I was like, oh, I'm not trying to say that this is how you do it. She's like, oh, no, I was just telling you I'm sorry that she's sick. I was like, sorry, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she was telling me that uh, – they reserve super special drinks like soda for sick days. So like seven up or Coke or whatever, she only can have those on sick days. And then um, like the bubbles, the bubbles do help. I feel like, how do you mm-hmm. feel about taking sips of like ginger ale and stuff when you're queasy? Cause I like yeah. it. I didn't really like anything like fizzy growing up. I didn't have oh. any sodas or anything, but sometimes when I'm sick now I will like, it's kind of helpful, but I'm not the right person to ask. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. But yeah. all that. And then the popsicles. So, and like I said, just having something that they really like, like a milkshake, like they're mm-hmm. not going to refuse it. Maybe even when they're sick, maybe can be helpful. Yeah. Worked for me. Difference of starvation, ketones and diabetic ketones. You touched on that already, right? Yes. Yeah, exactly. And then how quickly can ketones show up with illness and high blood sugars? I feel like we also touched on that. I don't have a specific time for like how quickly ketones can show up when you're sick. Do you, do you have an no, idea? No, because how? I think that sometimes your body can be fighting off something or it can kind of be sick without you knowing for a while, you know? So that's such a hard question to answer. Um, but I think what you said earlier about if they're sick, might as well just check. Don't worry about it too much, but check. If it's not obvious that they have it, do it anyways. Um, and then with high blood sugars, yeah, after hours and hours, especially if they're really high, yeah, it can happen. Okay. Sounds good. One other thing that I thought of just for any potential new listeners or any listeners that have a type 1 diabetic child who still wears diapers, we were told um, – to use the urine test strips and to put it inside the diaper and squeeze the diaper around the test strip in an effort to like squeeze the urine onto the part of the strip that reads the ketones. And that worked. What I really wish someone would have explained and what I would have been sent home with was a blood ketone meter because I think that there is just a lot of human error that can go into attempting to squeeze pee from a diaper onto a urine test strip instead of having it in a steady stream of urine. And then you might be thinking, okay, they're small. I think it's okay, but really they're actually moderate. And not to mention that like the urine strips, while they are important and they are helpful, that's, that's the latest stage that ketones are in. Yeah. But the blood meter is the first stage that they're in because they're in your mm-hmm. blood first mm-hmm. before they go into your urine, you know? And I was lucky enough to be able to compare Hattie's blood ketone test with an immediate urine dip stri- mm-hmm. dipstick because we tested her blood with the blood meter is 1.3. She immediately said, I have to pee. And I ran in with blood, uh, the urine strips because I was curious what they were going to say. The 1.3 on the blood meter was moderate 
toward high. Yeah. The urine strip was between small and moderate. So it was accurate, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that makes sense. So interesting. Yeah. yeah. So cool. that's that, all that. That was a long one. <laughs> hopefully that's helpful. I think it will be. Um, so that wraps up our ketone section. And then I wanted to just touch briefly on Thanksgiving. This episode will be coming out the Tuesday before Thanksgiving. And even if you are listening to this way past Thanksgiving, uh, I think it's good just to talk about like challenging eating days real quick. So I think I might have shared this a while ago, but if not, I'm just going to share it again. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday ever because of all the food and all the family. We've always hosted it at my house. I have great memories growing up. But I have this one specific memory of when I was on MDI and I was at the endo and I had a very strict eating schedule at the time of like 45 carbs for breakfast, lunch, dinner, like at exactly these times and same thing with snacks. It was wild. And I remember being at the endo and I don't remember if it was like the first year or second year I was diagnosed, but the doctor told my mom like, hey, or I was there. I heard it. She was like, on Thanksgiving this year, I want you to let her have whatever she wants whenever she wants. Like, And I wasn't on a pump. So like you can have whatever it is. And I think that might also be why Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday because like I was released of that like pressure and strictness. Like I really got to just have a day where I could eat whatever. And they never restricted types of foods, but like the timing and how much I could have was always restricted. And so it just became the best day ever. And I got to eat whatever. I don't know how my blood sugars were that day, but clearly doesn't matter because it was so meaningful to me. So I think that's just an important lesson to take away for everyone when it comes to holidays and also just to day-to-day, for day-to-day life. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I think that, um, I mean, you guys know that we don't restrict Hattie with anything. She tells us what she wants. We say yes, as long as it's reasonable for her health in general. Um And when it comes to Thanksgiving, that is all the same. One thing that I will be doing is looking up like a super basic guide of how many carbs are on a typical Thanksgiving plate, you know, and you can find this stuff everywhere. Maybe we'll even make one and post it or have Meg one, make one and post it for us. Just so I have a general idea of like about that much mashed potatoes is this, about that much cranberry sauce is this, about that much, because I am not going to bend over backwards to accurately count every single carb that enters her mouth. Yeah. Like it, you know, I'm just not. And the other thing I could do is go in totally blind and then just like pump insulin, but really I'm just going to do a tiny bit of research, make a educated-ish guess Mm -hmm. of the carbs and go from there and give her more if needed. If you are an MDI, what I would do is think about the biggest amount of carbs you've ever seen your child eat Mm -hmm. and maybe that's for us, like in the early days, that was like 60. She could never eat more than 60 carbs, right? And so going into like big birthdays or holidays like that, we would pre-bolus her for 60 grams of carbs and then just put a plate full of food, whatever she wanted down Mm -hmm. in front of her and she got to eat whatever. And if it wasn't 60 grams worth and she was going to go low, 
that's when special juice or hot cocoa or something that I knew she was going to love was going to come into play. Like, oh, you actually do get a scoop of ice cream with your pie, you know? Yes. Yeah. So the way I handle it now is I go in pretty blind because even, I mean, yes, you should do your research and I love that. But also on a holiday where there's often so many people bringing different dishes and like one mashed potato recipe can be so different from another. Like people are adding cream and milk and extra butter for fat and the sauces and all the stuff. It's just, it's so hard to know. Um, And y'all already know if you've been listening that I'm a guesser. So um, (laughs) I guess all day long, but also I graze a lot on Thanksgiving day because my sister and I are usually the ones doing the cooking my family has a tradition where we make cinnamon rolls every Thanksgiving morning. And so that has been a learning curve, especially over the last like five years where I've really actually tried to or I have gotten my A1C down. So I've been more aware of what's going on. And cinnamon rolls are really tough. Like they will create really stubborn spikes. And so I've incorporated, number one, giving a lot more insulin than I think, making sure I pre-bolus. Because honestly, when I don't, it makes me feel so gross after. Like when I eat that and then I um, have a really big high and it just lingers forever. So I make sure to pre-dose. Um, I've also tried to also have some eggs or something with protein in there to help with that. And then all day long, I'm just giving myself little bursts of insulin. Sometimes I'll raise my basal rate. I probably won't do that this year because it just works better for me as I'm snacking to give bursts of insulin. And for me, it's honestly usually like a unit. I'm just like, here's a unit, here's a unit. Like I just ate this, whatever. It'll keep (laughs) me okay. Um, And this is so different for kids, I know, but I still feel like it can be helpful. Just like if you've been worried about stacking insulin and it's definitely a real concern, this is the day that will teach you that if you did not already give enough insulin in the first place, it's not really stacking because your blood sugar is going high. Like you kept eating, you need more insulin. Um, And there's always more food on Thanksgiving. I feel like, like there's always more pie or juice or hot cocoa, like you said. And so I feel like there's always a safety net there if I need it. But overall, I just, just try to enjoy it. Try to let your kids enjoy it and don't, get mad at yourself if things don't go the way that you want. It's okay. Yeah. And there's no need to make it about diabetes. Make it about the holiday. Exactly. Make sure your kids are 25 looking back and saying, that was my favorite holiday. I forgot I even had diabetes. Yes. (laughs) All right. Are we good? I think we're good. We are going to be, yeah, we'll see you next week, I guess. Yeah. Or the week after. We might be taking a week off. I'm getting my dates confused right now with Thanksgiving coming up. <laughs> we'll see you when you see you. We'll be on Instagram and uh, have an awesome Thanksgiving. Thank you guys so much for listening. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It helps our show grow. And our goal, as you know, is to get in front of as many newly diagnosed families, as many T1D families as possible. So let's help each other out. Thank you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. Bye. Bye.